Real estate deals can fall apart because of a low appraisal. And when they do, it means your home is going back on the market and could possibly sell for less. In this episode, we talk about minimizing the risk of a bad appraisal. Whether you're buying your dream property or selling a million dollar home, why not get the highest price and the best advice? This is Luxury Real Estate Talk, the art and business of buying and selling high-end homes with stories and insider knowledge from top luxury agents nationwide and around the globe. Here's our host, Rob Jensen. This is episode 13 with real estate appraiser Scott Dugan, where we talk about maximizing the value of your appraisal and why you, as a seller, should get one. Scott's been doing luxury real estate appraisals for how long? Well, the luxury market in Vegas really didn't start until the mid-90s because prior to that, we didn't have a property over a million dollars. So I've been doing luxury appraisals for 20 plus years in awesome. the Las Vegas Valley. Great. So it's very common that buyers getting a loan, they have to get an appraisal because the bank requires it. But when would a seller actually want to get an appraisal? Well, a seller would typically want to get an appraisal um, many facets. It could be because of the fact that they've upgraded the property and spent hundreds of thousand dollars remodeling it prior to putting it on the market or say in the recent past, or if it's a very unique one-of-a-kind property and there's not a lot of market data to help support the value of the subject. There's many, many uh, reasons to get an appraisal prior to, prior to putting the property onto the market. Right, and this is specifically for a seller, for a homeowner looking to sell their property. There's estate reasons and other tax planning reasons that we're not going to get into. But what do you say for, okay, so let's say that seller wants to get an appraisal or they, they get an appraisal done, but isn't the buyer getting a loan? They still have to get their own appraisal. They don't get to use the, the one you did. Correct. They still have to get an appraisal for the lending purpose side. But the good thing about getting an appraisal prior to is it gives the seller some additional information that they can use for marketing during the selling period. In other words, if say we have agent uh, A and B come in and they look at it and they can't find comps, and then we actually have an appraisal that we can share with them and say, we've had this appraised and this will help support the opinion of value for the property. Yeah. And just a couple other scenarios. It's it's common, especially in luxury homes and custom homes with there's upgrades and different degrees of views where, you know, a, a buyer's agent might just not be able to properly discern value. And when there's an appraisal that can be provided to them, that's this impartial third party that shows value, it might actually help the buyer better understand the price and, the, the, you know, and not make the mistake off of going off of their own armchair research on Zillow or maybe a... Um, uneducated, you know, advice by their own agent. Well, that's really a problem that we have in the marketplace. Uh, nothing against MLS, but there's not a lot of information put in there when it comes to a luxury ten thousand, four or five million dollar property. So it's really important for appraisers to have the knowledge to appraise those type of properties, and especially, especially in our market, I've probably appraised over sixty percent of all the multi-million dollar homes in the Las Vegas Valley over the past 20 years. Therefore, not only do I know the properties, but typically I have the cost breakdowns when they were built, the type of finishes, uh, uh, cabinetry and so forth that were put into these properties, which really assist me in appraising these properties in comparison to the subject. Oh yeah, you've got all the research. 
And another big reason why I'm a fan of sellers getting appraisals. Now, I, I don't have them recommended all the time, but when I do, it's for all those reasons and then some. So first of all, you've got better education for the seller than possibly the listing agent, better education for the buyer and their agent. But then also if that buyer does get a loan and their bank's going to require that appraisal, now their appraiser is coming onto the scene. And a lot of these appraisers in the market these days are, are rookies. You know, at least they've, they've maybe done a lot of cheaper production homes. But when it comes to custom, now all of a sudden they're in over their head. They don't say anything about it. And they might ruin the deal. They might just come in low and screw it all up. Well, that's why it's critical for the buyer's agent to actually talk to the lender and find out who's on their list for and get the best competent appraiser that they can or lender so that they hopefully get a competent appraiser that understands the luxury market because that's a big issue today in our market in Las Vegas. Absolutely. So when it comes to doing talking about the comps, it's common that um, agents and buyers and sellers are all using this price per square foot lingo in terms of sold per sold price per square foot, where you basically take the, the sales price and divide it by the square footage of the home, and you might get 300 a foot, 400 a foot, 250 a foot. And a lot of people use that as sort of an off-the-cuff valuation for homes, but yet appraisers don't do that. Well, appraisers use what they call the package price per square foot, which is what you just described. But the issue is I can have a 10,000 square foot house cost $200 a foot, $300 or $400 a square foot to build, especially in the luxury market. Therefore, the price per square foot isn't the only component when appraising in the luxury market. And one of the big fallacies with the package price per square foot is that everything doesn't necessarily, especially in the custom home market, as I indicated, doesn't cost the same. And therefore, the price per square foot varies significantly depending from property to property. And therefore, it sometimes is very misleading. And then also, depending on the size of the property, in other words, you can have a smaller home that costs more per square foot to build than a larger home. Yeah, well, and I think just one of the big kind of misnomers about the price per square foot is it basically is saying, yeah, every the square footage is the biggest sort of determining factor in determining value, which isn't necessarily the case. I mean... There might be a seven, just because the home that's seven, just because there's an 8,000 square foot home that's maybe 500 square feet than larger than the 7,500 square footer, the values can be grossly different based on a, all the other myriad of factors. And that square footage doesn't really play as big as a role into an appraiser's adjustment. Well, right? it really depends. So yeah. if I have a 7,500 foot home and an 8,000 square foot home, and let's say they both have five bedrooms, six and a half baths. Mm -hmm. So the utility may not be any better yeah. in the larger home than it is in the 7,500 square foot home. In other words, what am I getting? Larger family room, living room, kitchen, or the utility may not necessarily be that much more as you get to, into the larger homes. And, and in our market today, we're finding that not necessarily do people want 10,000 square foot homes and larger. Mm -hmm. It's very interesting. There's only probably 350 or 400 homes in the entire valley that are over 10 to 12,000 square feet. So in relationship to the total number of homes in the Las Vegas Valley, that's a minute number. Yeah. No, it's small. It's, 
it's definitely these days it's like people are looking for higher finishes and maybe not as much square feet but right i yeah. think they're looking for you know they they today they don't necessarily want the extreme large homes as as our population ages they want smaller more compact definitely they want single story dwellings over two story for convenience as uh, we age we want uh, simplicity in our life oh yeah well, and here's my advice on using price per square foot because I know it's nobody's going to stop using it, but I recommend at least trying to be as apples to apples as you can. So if you're going to, if you're talking about a single story with a pool on the golf course, and you want to compare that property to other single stories on the pool with the golf course, and you want to use price per foot to maybe tr take into account some dif differences in size or square footage, to me that makes more sense than sort of comparing a one-story to a two-story to something that's remodeled to something that's not to something that's I mean there's once you have too many variables it's really yeah, makes the more sense. variables the less in less consistent the valuation process becomes in other words typically if we have a two-story typically in the market there's about 90 percent two-story versus 10 percent single story single stories are always in higher demand because there's less built and they're more adaptable to the uh, aging population like myself Two-story homes can be built for less per square foot versus single-story. So there's always a, an adjustment between single-story and two-story can be anywhere between 5 to 10% of the sale price. Yeah, I mean, I see 10% a lot. <coughs> I see 10% a lot easy. And just for people, you know, that are wondering, well, why is it that there's more singles or two-stories? It's just these builders, they can build a bigger home on a smaller lot and squeeze sort of more square footage into their subdivision that way. So that's why you see a just overall more of a scarcity of single stories. And because the land value again today is um, getting excessive and therefore they're trying to maximize their profit and therefore they build two-story homes on uh, the smallest lots possible in order to increase profitability. Well, yeah, and last go around in 2007 and eight, you know, we that's when we started to see three-story homes and then a lot of the sort of back to the uh, no zero lot line, like five-foot driveway, no backyard, common driveway. Well, We'll see how much the uh, builders get squeezed and how if that product comes back again. Right. I, I don't know if it's going to come back, but uh, the market is extremely strong here in the Las Vegas now. The resales availability is under 5,000 homes through the multiple listing service. Builders are building them as fast as they can. Prices are increasing phase by phase. Uh, so we're kind of not back to 2004 and five yet, but we're getting real close in pricing. So it's common when someone goes to sell their home, whether it's the seller or their agent, they really can sometimes lean heavy on maybe one or two recent sales to, to pick their price. What does an appraiser use when it comes to picking comps? Well, in a market like we're in now where it's uh, appreciating rapidly, at least probably 1% per month in most market areas or market submarkets, we... Obviously, we want to find the best comps available. Typically, we should have several within the community, but not necessarily uh, sufficient numbers. So, so therefore, we have to go out to uh, other competing subdivisions that are similar to that of the subject in order to find sufficient comps. Typically, we prefer to use at least four to six comps in every report. Now, they don't necessarily all have to be closed. We have to have a minimum of three closed transactions in any appraisal report submitted to a lender. Then what we try to do is potentially have a pending or contingent. 
try to verify that with the listing agent. That gives us the support that tells us how fast the market's appreciating by something that's currently in the market uh, that's anticipated the close hopefully within the next 30 to 60 days, as well as we do look at available listings. Some lenders require listings in the appraisal assignments. So there's a combination of closed, uh, pending contingent, as well as listings included in almost every appraisal assignment. Got it. How long does the process take? If I'm a seller, I want to sell my home, how long is it going to take if I call you up and get an appraisal? Well, typically, if someone were to call today, we could look at it in the next three to four business days and after that, depending upon the complexity of the assignment, whether it's a three to five hundred thousand dollar home or or a three to four million dollar home, it can take um, a week to ten days or a week to two to three weeks sometimes. And what can the seller do to help you do your best job possible in the sense of get getting them the best number possible? Well, what I always try to do is inform the uh, seller when we set the appointment. Uh, to put a list together of what they've re, that what they've completed recently. In other words, if they've painted the inside outside, even though we can see these things, uh, give us figures what you've spent, new floor coverings, say they've remodeled the bathrooms, obviously we can see that, but give us figures on what you spent because that's really helpful to an appraiser because the problem is, is the sellers always say, well, the appraiser wasn't here but 15 minutes. Yeah. And you know, that's a problem sometimes if you're not uh, paying attention. But if you give them a list of what they've what you've done to that property, it helps us help you. Absolutely. And it actually helps a lot of other people in the process, too. It's going to help your real estate agent, which assuming is going to be me, of course, sell your home because now we've got everything that we know that you've done that are upgrades. And we can maybe add that to our brochure that, you know, as a breakdown of all the pricing. So there's actually a dollar amount on there. A lot of buyers sort of, when you see these notes on the multiple listing service where there's 100K in upgrades or 200K in upgrades, a lot of it's sort of looked at with um, suspicion that, you know, these sellers or agents are sort of puffing and blowing things a little bit out of proportion. But when all of a sudden there's a list and it's just itemized, like, oh, holy smokes, they spent 43000 on the bathroom and, you know, another... 56 on the kitchen and this on the roof and this on the redoing the pool and, and da, 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 da. Now all of a sudden they can, it has much more of an impact on the sales process, on the appraisal process. You might need that for your CPA when you come to sell it because it increases your basis and your whole tax situation. So there's many good reasons to make that list. Yeah, it's just really good and beneficial to everybody involved in the selling process because say we have a $300,000 home and we've put... 50 grand in it in the last two to three years. So we want to ask 350. All the comps are showing 300, but obviously the comps may not be similar to the subject. And therefore that helps everybody substantiate why our price is higher than the competing properties within the development. Yeah. So I'm going to tell a story quick and then Scott can chime in and share some as well. So there was a house that we were selling in the ridges that we started a bit higher. We started, I think it was around one five, one four five. And for that first time on the, on the market, we didn't have a lot of traffic or interest, just a, just a little bit. So we lowered the price to 135 and immediately got a full price offer from someone that had seen it previously while it was at the higher price. That appraiser came in. She came back at, I think it was a million two twenty five, dollars so 125000 less. And one of the comments she had made was that nothing sells for full price. 
And that was, remember that one? Okay. Yes, I yeah. remember that. And so unfortunately that, that buyer then wanted the seller to lower the price and the seller didn't want to do that. And so, you know, at least didn't want to lower it to the 225. And so that deal fell apart. And it took an, so then I called Scott. This was back when I was learning more of the better value, better, um, the value of the, having appraisal. Value added have. for the appraisal. Scott had no problem <coughs> appraising it at a million three fifty. You know, it's, he's, Scott's not going to appraise it for whatever the seller wants, but um, the data was there to support the, the value on this property. We eventually then ended up selling it maybe a couple months later for, there's a million two eighty five. So that was a real bummer. I mean, we literally um, sold it for sixty-five thousand. If I'm doing my math right, yeah, fifteen sixty-five thousand dollars less than we did the first go around. So had the seller invested in that appraisal up front, and had we had it up front, we probably may, could have had that deal stick. And you know, it's possible their appraiser could have still goofed and come in below, even given the fact that Scott had a an appraisal done higher. But I'll tell you this, the times I've seen buyers willing to pay over the appraised value, like over their bank's appraised value, is when I've had an appraisal done previously that I could provide them and say, hey, I'm sorry it didn't work for your appraiser, but, you know, here's Scott's CV and, you know, this is 100% legitimate appraisal. And a lot of times the buyers, they just they just don't want to feel like they're overpaying and getting ripped off, you know. Well, and, and that's some of the issues in the world today. It's just like with real estate agents. You get what you pay for. You have to do your interviews and get mm -hmm. the right ones. And the problem with it is Frank Dodd was in, put in place in late 2008 or 9 or 10. And uh, they put the appraisal management companies in between the lenders and appraisers in order to try to uh, limit fraud in the marketplace. And the, and the problem is now all appraisers work for these AMC companies and not necessarily are they all competent in every type of appraisal assignment. And that's the big key. Yeah, I mean, we've had appraisers that were nice folks, but they come into, you know, Willow Creek or, you know, Red Rock or something where they're like, oh, wow, this is really nice. And they're like, it's like their first time in the community. And it's just like, yikes, you know, so. So it makes it really difficult. So. It's really, it's really important for the buyer agent to represent the buyer and make sure that they're using the best lender available, not just for the lending process, but for the appraisal process. Because if the lender's great, but the appraisers are not the top of their, at the top of their game, then we're in a no-win situation. Yeah, and just to touch on problems with lenders, one of the biggest things that happens with buyers sort of picking the wrong lender is their agent refers them to someone locally that they know and have rapport with and a track record. Yet the buyer finds some lender out of state in Minnesota or whatever off some website that's promising them this lower rate. And so they're like, well, I'm going to go with this guy. And usually that turns into a fiasco for many reasons. So, um, yeah. Yeah, not necessarily. Um, all lenders are not the same, just like all real estate agent appraisers. So you have to you have to know how to play the game the best of your ability to uh, get the sale consummated. Yeah, well, and not to go too far off on a lender tangent here, but another mistake I see buyers make is they want to go with a certain bank because mo most of their assets or their money is there, 
And so they feel like they're gonna be VIP and just kind of get the red carpet rolled out for them. And unless you're like Warren Buffett and have all, you know, all the money in the world, like I've had clients with all kinds of tens of millions at banks and they still get set up with some crummy loan officer that's, that still drops the ball. These deals where it should have been a slam dunk for a loan where they've ended up having to pay cash. But anyways, that's a whole nother story. You got any stories you want to share about why or how you've saved the day with appraisers or well, it's been it's, helpful? It's not that we saved the day. We just try to do a very competent job in regard to the assignments that we take. None of us, the problem with appraising is we pick a single point of value on the day we inspect the property. But even though we pick that single point of value, that doesn't mean that it's only worth X, it could sell five to 10% higher or lower. Mm -hmm. There's no guarantee, it depends on um, the buyer's perception of the property versus my uh, determination of what I believe the property's worth. You know, we've been fooled, I've been fooled many a times. Uh, I had an example of a property in uh, the ridges where the backyard was really steep. I didn't think it was that big of a deal but most of the buyer's objection was that it was too steep and it had limited usable rear yard area, which really impacted the value, as well as the fact that it, uh, the majority of the house had Venetian plaster and the cost to fix the interior and redo it to some other colors was very outrageous, which had a negative impact on the marketability of the property. Yeah. I'm just loving that there's still a tractor outside making noise. Right. <laughs> no, but um, so even for, for sellers might wonder, well, wait, wait a minute. So an appraisal is not official value. It's official value, but there's some range in there. And so. Right. I mean, if we yeah. could pick it perfect, we right. wouldn't be appraisers. Well, yeah, you'd be, yeah, you'd be picking lottery numbers instead. Right. So, but so there's still a lot of big value out there to be had in having this appraisal done. You have anything else you want to share to people that, that they should, anything they should know about getting an appraisal done, working with appraisers? Selling, selling well there's a lot of good appraisers out there you've just got to find the right lenders that use those appraisers that's the key uh, the interest rates i mean i hear people talk about the interest rates all the time and it's uh you know obviously i'm older than uh most still in the business but in order to get the rates we're at today you'd have to go back into the 1970s yeah so the fact that interest rates are 3.75 to four and a half today that rate is fabulous and it's, a, it's allowing an affordability of buyers, many, many buyers to get back into the marketplace and buy properties. And uh, the market is strong. The, the issue with the market today is we have no inventory. At some point in time, uh, I believe some of these hedge funds that are holding thousands of homes in the market in our valley that have bought them and fixed them up and rented them, at some point they will release those and put them on the market and start selling those off once they believe the market has peaked, mm -hmm. which nobody can foresee the future, but uh, it's going to have to peak and stabilize and do something, some type of adjustment probably within the next several years, I believe. Yeah, well, and the one thing to add about just low interest rates and why it plays back into appraisals is there are still plenty of cash buyers in the market. But still, there are plenty of people that could pay cash that are opting to get financing because of that cheap money. They feel they can put their money, you know, their cash to better use elsewhere. So because these buyers that are potentially cash buyers are also opting to get loans on top of all the other people getting loans, it just means there's going to be an appraisal ordered by the bank, which is an opportunity for that deal 
to have a hiccup if there's an issue with the appraisal. Correct. But we see a lot of offers come in today at X and the buyer's willing to pay the contract price whether the appraisal comes in or not. Okay. Because yeah. they feel, you know, they want this house and they've been looking for six, eight months and they've written four or five offers and they're not getting anywhere. So cash obviously at all times is king. Yeah. But I'd say for the sellers out there, don't count on your buyer being willing to pay over appraisal. They no. might. And if you have an appraisal backing it up from Scott Dugan or another reputable source, you know, then your odds are of getting them to pay over appraisal are much better. But um, it just depends on the property. Yeah, and it really depends. I mean, the problem today is we have such a limited number of homes available that everybody is scrambling to potentially buy their dream home. Thanks for listening to Luxury Real Estate Talk with Rob Jensen. If you like what you heard, please share with your friends and colleagues and give us some stars. We would love to hear your feedback. Connect with Rob at robjensen.com.